Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today is the 19th of October. It is 2020. It is a Monday morning, the start of a new work week, depending on whether or not we leave our homes for work. So a lot has changed in this past year. However, something hasn't changed and will never change, and that is morality. We don't talk about morality. It's one of those invisible beliefs that we carry and we walk around with it because it is our baseline in how we deal with each other. And it's our baseline on how we deal with ourselves. The morals that we carry, when we go against them, when we know we've done something wrong, we've lied to someone and gave them bad information, and they based a decision on our lie, which now makes our lie bigger because now not only did we lie, but we're causing a chain of events that didn't need to take place. And we begin to experience feelings that tie to ego when we go against our morals, like guilt and shame about our actions. We start to feel that guilty feeling, and then we start to feel ashamed that we actually did that. So when we stick to our morals, it helps us live a life that we are proud of, which makes us happier overall. I don't know a human being I could tell that to that would not dis that would or would not disagree with that because it's just the truth. When we do well, we feel well. When we don't do well, we just don't feel well. Because the principles that we live by, that gives us a basis on how we do business together, partners in life, what we teach our children, the kinds of jobs we are willing to do and not willing to do. I can't tell you how many times I've met people who had a lot of money and then somebody who knew them would come and say, yeah, but you don't want to know how they make their money. And if you go back and you look at people that you don't know how they made their money in one of the many, many ways you could have made it without having a moral compass, they're the ones acting like they have money because they need the reward for breaking down 
who they are inside. So they can't like do it and then have a negative impact. And sometimes their guilt makes them give money to organizations or stuff like that. Not that people do that out of guilt, but I'm just saying in certain circumstances, because of the guilt, because of the shame, they try to make up for it. They take dirty money and try to make it good money. That's in one of the extremes, one of the things that we have witnessed. A lot of movies are based on that, on broken morals. Because we're like, oh my God, they did that? They killed someone, they stole from someone, they hurt someone, they tortured someone, they set up a phony bank, they set up a phony investment company, they set up a... That's what movies are made of when morals are broken. Because to the person who's living and fighting themselves to live a moral life. They're curious to see what it's like when you don't. And when you see that the bad guy loses, not wins, then you say, that's why I don't do that. Even though the movie itself may be gruesome. But are human beings born with morals? Because morality isn't just something we learn. It's something we are born with. At birth, at birth, a baby has compassion and empathy. And they do have that beginning makeup of fairness. They don't try to grab the whole plate and run. Well, they can't. They're little, but you know what I'm saying. And they don't feel like they have to eat real fast before the dish is gone or whatever's in the dish is gone. They wait. If you eat from it, they don't care. They'll just eat what's there. They don't have prejudice. They don't have bias. They don't have any of that. Teach them to have it, but they don't come with it. That's why we love kids so much. That's why we believe kids. That's why we say things like what kids say is true. There's also that thing where, you know, they say if you if you ever want to know the truth, ask a 7-year-old. And I remember when I first moved to California and I went to the comedy club and one of the comedians said, if a 7-year-old kid tells you you're ugly, you're ugly. And it was a joke. But that line never left me. I don't remember much of that night. But I do remember that because it was so true. And that's where this all comes into play because my son is autistic. He doesn't know how not to tell the truth. And because of that, I know many of people who come to him just to have a conversation because they know that whatever they're going to get from him is real. If you try to play with his morality, you try to pull a trick, double trick, or you, you're trying to extract something, he'll tell you. He will tell you. And because of that, people don't care what the truth is as long as it's true. 
So there's these purposes of morality because now we have to be retaught, right? Because where ego comes in and it starts telling us, do this and you'll get what you want, and do that and you'll get what you want. But there's a deeper foundation in morality that when it's not followed, and let's say you're a principal of a school or a CEO of a company or you're running a country, or you're running the world. There's a purpose behind morality, and when it is not followed, it's usually hidden that it's not followed. But if you're not following it regularly, it starts becoming who you are and what you are associated with. And once you are associated with that, now you have to keep trying to prove your moral. But what happens is the more you talk, the more you dig yourself into a hole because when you live an immoral life, the language you use, the way you speak is in a defense mode all the time. You're always thinking someone is going to catch on. And if they do, you deny, deny, deny. And you deny so much and brush it off so much that you leave the people around you, unable to fight you. And then what happens is that people start to try to band together because they can see it. They just want to stop it. I've seen CEOs voted off of boards because what they were doing wasn't best for the company. I've seen principals of schools have petitions put against them because they weren't actually helping and, and this is one particular school, the special needs kids. They were blaming the parents. It was like this concerted effort because they wanted to keep the costs of special needs children in their school down so they could use the money for other things. And I actually went to one of the meetings where they blamed the parent for their son's special needs. Why is morality so important? Because it all starts at home. But when we are subjected to immoral behavior, what we see is a free fall of our safety net in life that people are moral. But there are these five purposes. One is to keep our society from falling apart and becoming lawless. The other is not to bring on human suffering, but to promote us growing and flourishing and becoming what we believe our dreams can take us to. It helps us resolve conflict with order and justice put behind it. We assign Things like praise and blame and reward and punishment and guilt. Accordingly, if a crime is committed, there is a system that puts you through that isn't going to blame you, isn't going to guilt you unless it can be proven. So there's a sense of order that when we are living in an immoral world, we won't have. And when we don't have that, if you don't have order, you have disorder. 
If you don't have truth, you have a lie. If you don't have love, you have the lacks of love. So how would we put, you know, the morality in our own words? Because we are really witnessing in our time a complete disorder, complete chaos. There are people in America right now who are scared to death because the disorder has gotten so big that either way the election goes in November, they're concerned. They're concerned that the disorder will hit a height, which means that we have already lived in the immortality, immorally, of our world. We're already living in that. We can feel it. There's people right now that are preparing for it and stocking up on groceries just in case riots in our streets, just in case there's going to be greater chaos like what we've seen a few months ago. And every big disorder or immoral thing that has happened in the U.S. in the past few years blows over in two or three days as though, you know, because something bigger follows it and yet nothing is being addressed along the way. No matter how much moral behavior tries to infiltrate the immoral behavior, we are seeing bigger and bigger issues show up to the point where we can't keep up with what issue. It's the spinning plates. We have them. They're all over and all around us. Because the immoral stand in our world is now what's running our world. It's not to blame. There's no blame. Whichever way the election goes, we have to accept it. But the fact that no matter who it is, no matter who the person is, we are right now the result of chaos. So there are moral principles. Respect, autonomy, benefit, justice. We need to have that. And without it, we don't have trust. Beauty that's associated with morality, that assures us that we are taking the higher road. Because recognizing moral behavior, because that's something we know in our gut, We know when someone's soul is talking, and we know when someone's ego is talking. That's why, you know, the the fears that come to people when they don't see moral behavior is that then the trust goes from even the trustworthy. Because once we hear enough lies, let's say you have a partner who lies to you every single day, And then one day you lie because you have to survive this person and they catch your lie and they never let you forget the one lie, yet they're still lying to you, even in the way they are approaching you. 
and they are gaslighting you or turning things around on you. It's pretty interesting how when morals go down, chaos will go up. It's just the way it is. But you know what's funny? I was reading about morality this weekend. I just wanted to see what is going on. Because animals aren't immoral. They're instinctive. They may look like, you know, oh, well, that's a bad animal or that's a vulture or that's, but we, they're there because they're part of the food chain of the animal kingdom. But they never have to think about whether or not they're moral. They're completely instinctively driven. They are survivors and the only thing they care about is their next meal. They don't think about day and night. and You know, they have all that figured out. It's already there. They're just fulfilling. Isn't that interesting to think? Because I looked up a thing that said morality for humans, and I'm like, well, who else would be in question? But they did bring about the thoughts of, you know, well, what do animals do? Because we consider some animals evil. And that animals are capable of thinking and they will attack you. But they're not thinking of looking at you as attacking you. They may be looking at you as a meal. Animals generally live without any need for morality. What are they going to steal from you? What are they going to take from you? They don't even know that there is money and that they can lie to get what they want because they don't want anything but to eat. So it's kind of interesting how that happens. So then there's the thought, well, are we born innocent? Because children want to be loved. They want to learn. They want to contribute to the family. But then how they are treated starts to shape how they get love, how they get to learn, how they get to contribute. So the parents who aren't able to appreciate these parts of their children, their most precious building moments in their life, or they don't exhibit trust, like they don't believe that their kid will be okay, and they suspect that child of everything. And I know adult, I should say a family, where where the two kids, they had a boy and a girl, as children, they're now, one is older than I am, the other is my age. And the parents would go out for like a date night, and the kids were old enough to be left alone at home. And they would tell the kids they couldn't do things that a kid would do. They're going out on a date night to enjoy themselves, and they told the kids that they cannot watch television when they are not home so they took away the one thing the kids probably were going to do when their parents left and then they when they came back they would ask the children did you watch television of course they had to lie because if they told them the truth they were going to get in trouble 
So they would say, no, we did not. And then the parents would say, oh, yes, you did, because we checked the meter, the electric meter, before we left. And we checked it when we came back. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of odd, because it could just be the lights that are on. It could be that you listened to music or did something else. I go, how do you do that to someone? Because back then, we didn't have cell phones for entertainment and all-encompassing lifestyles. Both of their children, till this day, one of them got married twice, has not had successful marriages, could not sustain and trust anybody because they weren't trusted. That constant correction of who they were left them unsettled and chaotic in their own lives. Even though neither one of them are troublemakers, they're quiet. They don't like authority when they work for companies where there's a huge authoritarian type atmosphere. They don't do well. They go against what they hear in society and they're looking at all the conspiracy theories. Day in and day out, they're picking out what's wrong exactly the way what was picked out wrong in them as adults. One never got married at all, never had children. Neither of them ever had children, never wanted children. Because in their most precious time of their life, they were taught that they cannot be trusted. For what? Why would the parents do that? Children in a position to say, you could do everything but this. Why would they take that away from them? And at the end of the day, that was immoral. You took innocence and you purposefully injured it and put it in a fear mode and put it in a me against the world mode and put it in a somebody's always watching over my shoulder mode. So how how do we fix that? How do we even address it? The only way we can do that is from this more moment forward each of us says, hey, if I know I've crossed the line to get what I want, I don't need that. I am better than that. I can be better than that. I was born innocent. Something or someone taught me different. And now I may not think that I can do something good, right, my best, but I actually can. I actually can do something good, moral, and right. We are natural, high moral people. We are. We've always been. There's that question of, what, were they born evil? We ask that a lot about people that we meet that are so injured that their way of life has no empathy, 
no care, no regard for a human life. So are we born with that innate moral compass? For the most part, yes. Is it something we develop as we grow? We develop it one way or the other. So yes. Whether we are born good or evil, that's been a lifelong debate of philosophers, of psychologists. Stottle used to argue that the morality is learned and that we're born as amoral creatures. Sigmund Freud considered newborns a moral blank slate. It's probably a combination of all of that. But the way I look at it, it all starts in the crib when that child is born. That sense of feeling right or wrong for your behavior. And the ability to even have the feelings. Because if you don't have the sense of right or wrong, that is the line between criminal, criminality I should say, against each other, or not. Because the person who can commit may not have a boundary or a limit for what is right or wrong. So why is it, and this is the bigger question in my mind, that we don't talk about this in school? Why do we not have a self-discovery class? And why do we teach the stuff we don't need in everyday life? It goes nowhere. It goes in one ear, at a test, and then out the other. When I look at how we are teaching people and how we are taking their greatest energy and putting it through non-useful information, as I read the curriculums and I talk to teachers and I talk to principals and I talk to people who even teach principals, of schools that our kids all go to, went to. I commend their hard work. They have a curriculum given to them and they have to follow it. But a lot of them are upset that they're teaching them these things and we're not teaching them how to contribute. We tell them to follow their dreams, but we don't give them clear paths as to how to develop those feelings. We don't teach them the purpose of moral behavior. Even let's change the word moral, just good behavior, upstanding behavior. To recognize the importance of the human experience, to learn from the deep beliefs that we have, that we know we feel good when we have. And then what happens at the end of the time is that I end up with a lot of clients 
who were taught by people who were immoral to them, did not teach them well. They just didn't teach them well. They didn't teach them how to be autonomous. They didn't teach them how to benefit themselves. They didn't teach them that there's right and wrong and how it will hurt them instead of before thinking that how it will hurt others. Once we start to do that, and parents are now taking the bull by the horns, we will start to see change, but not today, in future generations. I hope that answered your question, Francis. We're already done for today. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great start to your week. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.